Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. We have prepared a graphic summary with the main ideas and teachings of this incredible bestseller. Click on the link, Book Graphic, in the description to have access to a material where we combine the perfect mental stimuli so that you know and understand the great intuitions of the author. Zero to One, Notes on Startups or How to Build the Future by Peter Thiel with Blake Masters. The big, so what? How did companies like Google, PayPal, Amazon, and Tesla become so successful? And how can you get there as a startup? In this book, Thiel, a billionaire entrepreneur and investor who co-founded PayPal and Palantir and invested in hundreds of startups, including Facebook, and SpaceX shares his insights about business and entrepreneurships. He shares why much of what we believe in may be flawed and how we can think about and create truly viable businesses that shape a better world. Introduction Progress can take two forms. First, horizontal or extensive progress, which comes from copying things that work. For example, when you improve a typewriter and sell it globally, this brings us from one to N. Second, vertical or intensive progress, which comes from doing new things that haven't been done before. For example, when you move beyond typewriters to invent a word processor, this brings us from zero to one. The most successful businesses in the world, such as Apple, Facebook, Google, achieved success not by copying others, but by creating something fundamentally new. They moved from zero to one. Globalization is at the heart of horizontal progress, while technology is at the heart of vertical progress. And the good news is, both can coexist. The most valuable companies become so because they uncover truths behind widely held but incorrect beliefs, hence fundamentally changing our world. Thiel calls these secrets. Every multi-billion dollar company was once a startup, a small group of like-minded people who fervently pursued alternative truths to build a different future. Revisiting the 1990s dot-com mania. In the book, Thiel gives a quick recap of the dismal global settings in the 1990s, the rise of the dot-com mania, and the burst of the dot-com bubble in 2000. Here are two important takeaways. First, although the dot-com mania was short-lived, it was a reflection of growing concerns that the old economy wasn't working. The internet held promise of solutions for a globalized world, and indeed, technology and the internet have helped to tackle many challenges of globalization today. Second, much of what we know is shaped by circumstances and reactions to past mistakes and may not be true at all. Thiel showed how the business wisdom in the post-dot-com era was actually flawed. Thiel challenges several market and business wisdoms that are widely accepted. This segment provides an overview of the key ideas. 1. Create monopoly, not competition. Most of us grew up learning that competition is good and essential. Thiel suggests the opposite that competition is destructive while a creative monopoly is the way of the future. Thiel defines a creative monopoly 
as one that has achieved this status because it does such a great job that there is no viable substitutes. First, it's as important to create value as it is to retain some of that value. Businesses fighting cutthroat competition are so preoccupied with survival that they can't focus on anything else. For instance, airlines create tremendous value through air travel but are barely profitable. On the contrary, a creative monopoly like Google hasn't had viable substitutes since the early 2000s, allowing it to retain some 20% of its revenues. It has resources to care about its stakeholders, invest in long-term research and innovation, and makes a greater impact on the world. Second, competition can shift the attention away from value creation and productivity to beating our rivals or even scoring personal victories. Obviously, in business, we'll sometimes have to go all out and fight to win. But in most cases, competition is unnecessary. For example, Microsoft and Google are both great companies with different creations. Yet, they were locked in fierce competition for years. Apple overtook them in January 2013 with a market capitalization of $500 billion versus their combined capitalization of $467 billion, when just three years before, each company was individually more valuable than Apple. The same pattern is seen from credit card readers to online pet stores. By contrast, PayPal was also locked in fierce competition with X.com in the late 1990s. However, realizing the risk from the rapidly inflating tech bubble, the two companies decided on a 50-50 merger in 2000, which allowed them to ride out the dot-com crash that came soon after. Third, it's true that monopolies can be bad if nothing changes, and customers are forced to pay high prices with limited choices. But our world is a dynamic one, with better monopoly businesses replacing incumbents to offer more consumer choice and societal improvement. So why do we compete? Because the ideology of competition is so entrenched in our society that we end up being trapped in it. It starts with our education system, which is built on grades and ranking students against one another. Then, when we enter the workplace or business world, we are constantly trying to beat our competition and compete with our peers for career advancement. In short, Thiel believes that competition destructs rather than creates value and advocates the concept of monopoly capitalism. Two. The Power Law of Venture Capital Venture capitalists, or VCs, try to find, fund, and profit from promising early-stage companies. They make money when the companies in their portfolio go public or get bought by larger companies. Most venture funds last for 10 years, as that's usually how long successful companies take to grow and exit. Unfortunately, the reality is that most startups fail and a few companies will drastically outperform all others. The one best investment in a successful fund will outdo the rest of the companies combined. A good VC should only invest in companies that can potentially return the value of the entire fund. Obviously, this is hard to predict, so a VC will still need a portfolio. 
but every single company in a good portfolio must have the potential to go from zero to one and succeed at a large scale. This power law applies to all of us. Entrepreneurs invest time and money in their startups and employees invest time in their career. The question to ask is, will what you are doing be valuable decades from now? Three, uncovering secrets. The most valuable companies build their businesses upon secrets. That is, what the world believes in that isn't true. For example, Airbnb and Uber saw untapped supply and unmet demand in lodging and transportation and created businesses to address them. It starts with belief. Most people act as if all the world's biggest problems have already been solved. There's no more opportunities left to find. Hence, they don't even try. But so long as there are injustice and inefficiencies in this world, there are secrets to be found. Start by asking, what valuable company is nobody building? This will lead you to address hard but potentially world-changing questions. There are two kinds of secrets you can uncover. Secrets of nature, or undiscovered aspects of the physical or natural world, and secrets about people, that is, what people hide or don't know about themselves. Ask yourself if there are any areas that matter but haven't been standardized or institutionalized. For example, physics is taught systematically in schools, whereas nutrition, which affects everyone, is not. Next, what do you do with secrets after you find them? Generally, your secret or viewpoint is likely to be opposite of what the masses believe. When you share your secret, you are actually enlisting fellow conspirators, so do it discreetly. 4. Last Mover Advantages Your business value is the sum of all the money it'll make in the future, discounted to the present worth. Being the first mover in a market can give you a head start, but what matters is long-term cash flows, and it's useless being the first mover if you get dethroned later. It's better to be the last mover, study the end game, dominate a small niche, and scale up to eventually develop and enjoy years of monopoly profits. However, for a company to become valuable, it must be durable. Many entrepreneurs are so focused on short-term growth that they fail to consider if their business will still be around 10 years from now. We've just covered four important ideas behind moving from zero to one. Now, let's look at several useful questions and foundations to help you think about building a sustainable monopoly business. Building a monopoly. Most successful monopolies share some of these four characteristics. One, proprietary technology. For example, Google's search algorithms which makes your product hard or impossible to replicate. To have a real monopolistic advantage, your technology must be at least 10 times better than any substitute in some key aspects. For example, PayPal enabled buyers to pay on eBay straight after an auction, instead of mailing a check which took 7 to 10 days, and Amazon offered at least 10 times as many books as any other bookstore. 2. 
network effects. These make a product more useful as more people use it. For example, the more of your friends are on Facebook, the more you'd want to use it. Yet, such businesses must still be valuable to their initially small markets. 3. Economies of scale spread out business fixed costs, for example, R&D, office space, over more users such that the marginal cost of producing an extra unit is negligible. When designing your startup, build in the potential to scale up. 4. Branding is key to any monopoly, but it must be backed by substance. One of the strongest tech brands is Apple. Its sleek, minimalistic design, consumer experience, advertising campaigns, and price positioning are backed by a suite of proprietary technologies, economies of scale, and strong network of developers and users. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. We have prepared a graphic summary with the main ideas and teachings of this incredible bestseller. Click on the link, Book Graphic, in the description to have access to a material where we combine the perfect mental stimuli so that you know and understand the great intuitions of the author. As a small startup, how can you put together these four elements of brand, scale, network effects, and technology to form your eventual monopoly? Here are three useful tips. 1. Start small and monopolize. Every startup is small initially, yet a monopoly must dominate a large share of its market. Hence, don't try to go for 1% of a $1 billion market. As a startup, your ideal target market is a small, specific group of people concentrated together and served by few or no competitors. However, make sure the market actually exists. PayPal's first product allowed Palm Pilot users to beam money to each other, but the millions of Palm Pilot users were scattered geographically, had little in common, and didn't need to beam money to one another. So PayPal had effectively no customers. When they switched their focus to eBay auctions with only a few thousand high-volume power sellers, they quickly secured 25% of the market within three months. 2. Scale up progressively. Once you've created and dominated a niche, you can expand into related and slightly broader markets gradually and sequentially. Amazon wanted to dominate online retail, but started only with books, which had similar sizes and characteristics despite millions of titles. Then it expanded into CDs, videos, and software and gradually added categories until it became the world's general store. eBay launched its auction marketplace with intense interest groups, for example, Beanie Baby obsessives, then expanded to other small-time hobbyists until it became a full-fledged marketplace for people trading anything online. 3. Don't disrupt. Disruption means using new technology to introduce a low-end product at low prices then improving the product over time to eventually overtake the incumbents. For example, PCs disrupted mainframe computers, then mobile devices disrupted PCs. However, disruption is not about taking the big boys head on, or you could end up with fights you can't win. Instead, focus on creating something really new, then expand it gradually to adjacent markets, 
avoiding competition as much as possible. Building strong foundations. Some foundations cannot be undone, so you must start the company on the right foot. First, create synergy. The right people makes all the difference, and this includes 1. The right partner or partners. Choosing the right partner for your business is like choosing the right person to marry. Besides technical abilities and complementary skills, the founders should know each other well and have worked well together. 2. Ownership, possession, and control. To minimize misalignment, distinguish between who owns, runs, and officially controls the company. For most startups, the founders have both ownership and possession, but conflicts can arise with the board members who exercise control. Thiel recommends that you select every board member carefully and keep the board to three to five members. This facilitates communication, agreement, and effective control. 3. Beyond professionalism. To build a long-term business, the people in your company must be not just talented, but actually enjoy working together. Transactional relationships, however good the resumes, won't work. The second foundation is long-term value and alignment. 1. On the bus or off the bus. Thiel advocates that everyone in your company should either own stock options or be engaged full-time. Consultants and part-timers cannot be expected to create long-term value for your company. 2. Minimize cash compensation. To get commitment, you must compensate people properly, but cash payments foster short-term thinking. Instead of a high cash salary, consider giving outcome-based cash bonuses offer equity and limit the CEO's annual salary to $150,000 so he'll focus on increasing the company's value and set a good example. The third foundation is to build a tribe. Startups have tight resources and small teams to get the most from them. 1. Build a cult. Hire people who share your obsession. It's much better to have a team that shares a common world view and is fiercely devoted to your mission than a group of lukewarm professionals. Ask, why should the 20th employee join your company? To address why people should join you and who they will work with. To provide clear responsibility and reduce conflict, match talents with tasks such that every person in your company is just responsible for one thing. 2. Extend the founding. You can't reverse that moment when your company is founded and rules are set from scratch. However, you can build a culture of openness and ongoing invention so that you can recreate the company over and over again. Finally, no matter how good your product, you'll need to sell it. The best sales are those that are hidden, that is, you don't even realize you've been sold to. There are two rules of thumb for effective distribution. First, the customer lifetime value, or the total net profit from a customer over time, must be higher than your customer acquisition cost, or how much you spend to acquire a new customer. And, second, the higher the price of your product, the more you have to spend to make a sale. Thiel recommends sales and marketing approaches for different product categories, 
including complex sales, personal sales, advertising, and viral marketing. One of these methods will likely be the most effective for your business, and it's better to establish one channel that works rather than spread your resources over many that don't. Besides selling to customers, you must also sell your company to non-consumers, for example, employees, investors, and the media. Media exposure creates publicity for your products and helps you to attract investors and employees. Putting it together. Since the start of the 21st century, clean technology has become the next big thing, yet billions of dollars have been lost in this industry. Using seven questions to integrate the points above, Thiel shares why Tesla succeeded where most clean tech companies failed. To secure massive success, you need to address most, if not all, of these seven questions. Engineering. Can you create breakthrough technology instead of incremental improvements? Timing. Is now the right time to start your particular business? Monopoly. Are you starting with a big share of a small market? People. Do you have the right team? Distribution. Do you have a way to not just create, but deliver your product? Will your market Will your market position be defensible 10 and 20 years into the future? Secret. Have you identified a unique opportunity that others don't see? Man and machine. With computing capabilities growing exponentially, many people are predicting that computers will replace humans in the coming decades. Thiel argues that computers are complements, not substitutes to humans. Computers are great at data processing, but they cannot exercise human judgment. The most valuable businesses of the future will be those who empower, rather than replace, people in a computer age. For example, PayPal was initially losing millions each month due to credit card fraud. Humans couldn't cope with the volume of transactions, and automated computer checks were outsmarted by the fraudsters. PayPal solved the problem with a hybrid approach. The computers flag out suspicious transactions, and human analysts apply their judgment for decision-making. Likewise, LinkedIn didn't try to replace recruiters with technology. Instead, they helped professionals to build their personal brands and empower recruiters to search and filter job candidates using technology. Other useful details in the book to look out for. This book originated from a startup course that Thiel was teaching at Stanford. One of the students, Blake Masters, took detailed class notes, which were reworked with Thiel to form this book. In the book, you'll find many useful examples, anecdotes, and stories of PayPal and familiar companies like Google, Tesla, and Siemens, etc., as well as a detailed recap of the dot-com rage in the 1990s and the more recent cleantech bubble. Although the book focuses almost exclusively on technology companies and using technology to move from zero to one, the ideas can be extremely useful to help any startup or user of technology to think about how things work and how we can build a better world with business and technology. For more details, do get a copy of the book or go to zero to onebook.com.
Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. We have prepared a graphic summary with the main ideas and teachings of this incredible bestseller. Click on the link, Book Graphic, in the description to have access to a material where we combine the perfect mental stimuli so that you know and understand the great intuitions of the author.